No Tyler McComas today, but uh, things are going pretty well in his absence, I would I would say. We're excited to have you back, Tyler, but the Sooners closing in on a victory in the opening game of the College World Series. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson live with you on the rush from the session room in Omaha, Nebraska. We're on 14th and coming just west of Charles Schwab Field where the Sooners hold a 12-6 lead over Texas A&M. The Aggies are keeping this one interesting, Travis, and Skip Johnson has gone to his stopper. He's not leaving anything to chance. Trevin Michael is in this game with one out in the seventh to try and quash the Texas A&M rally. Right. They've got runners on the corners, but he's ahead in the count. One ball, two strikes. Uh, So we'll see if he can get out of this mini jam, if you will. I will say um, just Texas A&M scoring those two runs, Man, it felt like 50, but you still look up at the scoreboard and you say, my goodness, they, uh, they'll they get another one here. But, it, again, it just speaks to the, the big lead that we got out to early. Trevor's just got to protect that. Uh, we've got another first and third situation. Texas A&M has pulled within five. Um, but a, a bit of quick golf news. Uh, you know, I'm going to throw it in there. Uh, the golf news that uh, Sooner fans are going to care about, Chris Goderup, um, former Sooner, obviously, is currently inside the cut line um, as the last update I got. How about that? Um, Yeah, inside the cut line. So he's had a clean scorecard today, no bogeys, uh, just birdied eight. So uh, he's one under through eight on his day. He had the afternoon tee time. So it looks like like scoring might be a little bit easier there in the afternoon based on some of the scores that I'm seeing based on the – uh, based on the tee time. So uh, Chris Goderup uh, is looking to make the weekend uh, in his first U.S. Open. How about so, that, exciting. man? And it's been, a, it's been a rough couple days for a lot of really good golfers out there in Brooklyn really as rough. well. So yes. the fact that Goderup is holding his own amongst that field says a lot. Now, as we turn our attention back to the Sooners and the Aggies, here at the College World Series. Oklahoma now leads 12-7. to Trevin Michael came on, promptly surrendered an RBI single to Texas A&M first baseman Jack Moss, who has been white hot throughout the postseason. He actually entered this College World Series, Travis, if you can believe this, on a, not, not an eight-game hit streak, but an eight-game multi-hit streak. What? He had had multiple hits in every game of the SEC tournament of regional play and of super regional play. So arguably the hottest hitter in the nation coming into this tournament here in Omaha was Jack Moss, and he delivered for the Aggies. One out, bottom of the seventh, runners on the corners. Michael on to hopefully preserve that 12-7 lead for Oklahoma. Uh, looked, looked for a while there, Travis, as if we were going to have a blowout on our hands. And look, a five-run lead is still a pretty safe lead, all things considered. But one thing about this Aggies lineup, man, is that time and time again throughout this postseason, they have punched back when they're up against adversity. Much like Oklahoma in that regard, but we're seeing that dynamic play out right now. Oklahoma hit him in the mouth early. Big home run by Jimmy Crooks, three-run shot to make the lead 8-0. to Jackson Nicholas unloaded a grand slam to right field to make it 12-3. to the last four runs of this game, though, have been scored by the Aggies. Yeah, and we, we talked about it uh, earlier. Uh, you know, the Aggies score after the sixth inning. And, and you, you look at their, uh, they were, they were 5-0, and you know, 
going from regional to super regional. It looks like with any luck. All right, we'll get the second out. But Texas A&M does plate another. So 12-8, to eight, but uh, there's a, the lone runner on second now, and we've got two outs in the inning. So take care of the batter. You'll get out of here with a four-run lead going into the top of the eighth. Now, if nothing else for Texas A&M, it is certainly a win that you forced Skip Johnson to use Trevin Michael in this game because it looked for a while there as if the Sooners were going to be able to get out of Dodge without having to turn to their prized closer. Well, as it would turn out, one thing leads to another. David Sandlin not super sharp coming out of the bullpen, and he's got to deploy Michael to try and keep the Sooners staked to this lead. You know, you were hoping uh, we'd see Sandlin go out there Start dealing, get a bit of confidence. Uh, maybe going towards a start later in the uh, later in the series, uh, later in the World Series. That is, um, but if you're Skip Johnson, what do you do with Sandlin right now? That that's that's the biggest question going forward. Is because look, Jake Bennett allowed four earned runs in his six innings of work. He was not sharp, not terrible, but certainly not sharp. He did not have his best stuff. David Sandlin just allowed four earned runs in a third of an inning. And this is the guy that has been your number two starter for much of the season. He's been the guy that traditionally you have turned to on Saturdays. And now we already know Kate Horton's getting the start on Sunday, but it begs the question, what happens, Travis, if the Sooners have to turn to Sandlin on Tuesday or Wednesday? Because... Assuming, especially if you end up with a Tuesday game, because if Horton starts on Sunday, he's out of commission for several days thereafter as he rests up. So if you want to turn to Jake Bennett, who threw 92 pitches today, on short rest for a Tuesday or Wednesday tilt, that's your prerogative. But the guy that typically you would turn to in that situation that you'd have confidence turning to is Sandlin. His confidence has to be shot after a performance like that. And you'd imagine that Skip's confidence in Sandlin has probably taken a shot across the bow as well. Yeah, you hope that this is just a situation where you flush it and say, you know what, we got away with one. Uh, you know, maybe it, maybe a not-so-sharp outing, to, to, to put it very kindly, I think. Um, but there's definitely going to be some doubt, and you're just going to have to trust him to go out there and make things happen. But um, you just, if you're an Oklahoma fan right now, uh, and even if you're Skip Johnson, you got to say, "All right, Cade, we need we need you to go deep. We need Cade to to get you know six, seven innings in. Um, if we can go Cade to Trevin, we're going to be in great shape. But again, that's it. That's the ideal scenario. The ideal scenario today was put 12 runs up, and then you have a little bit of wiggle room when it comes to uh, who you bring in." Now, the Sooners should have the vast majority of their staff available on Sunday. They'll play Sunday, win or lose, today. It's only a matter of whether they will play in the afternoon or in the nightcap. So, obviously, you're not going to have Bennett. You probably won't see Sandlin. Michael should be available on Sunday, but outside of Bennett and Sandlin, you're going to have pretty much all hands on deck. The reality at the College World Series, Travis, is that everybody's pitching staff is spent by the end of it. Right. You need big innings and lots of innings from your best arms if you're going to take home a title. So Oklahoma's going to have plenty of company 
across this bracket and across this field when it comes to having to make some tough decisions and occasionally having to ride some guys out longer than you would like, bring in your prized arms in for situations where maybe you were anticipating not having to bring them in like the Sooners just had to do there with Trevin Michael in the seventh inning. So yeah, not necessarily sure this puts the Sooners at a disadvantage per se, but still something left on the table for this team, even if they close out the victory today. Right. Uh, ultimate goal, just win. Uh, we all saw the stat. Um, 36 of the 40 champions, uh, NCAA champions, those of that have gone on to win uh, the College World Series, 36 out of 40 won the first game. So um, that's 90%. I'll have stats and info uh, look that up. But 90% of teams uh, that have gone on to win have won game one. So it's one of those things. Obviously, you want to win game one at most costs. I wouldn't say at all costs. You don't want, you know. But win game one, you put yourself in a fine situation. But, Parker, you're right. Like any postseason, it's – it, you're never getting, whether it's we're talking football, we're talking baseball, we're talking basketball, whatever. You are not getting a fully healthy squad and a fully rested squad in the postseason. You try and piece it together, and that's where coaching comes in. Now, I will say the K, the KREF stats and info department did fail you all significantly earlier in the show because I stated that Oklahoma was looking for its first victory in Omaha since 1994. Thankfully, we have people much smarter than me on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and one of them chimed in to say, no, actually, Oklahoma did win a game in the CWS in 2010. That's actually one of the few examples of a team losing their first game in the CWS and coming back to win the whole thing. That's what South Carolina did, lost their opener to Oklahoma, but came all the way back to topple UCLA in the championship series and take home the CWS in the final year that it was held at Rosenblatt Stadium. So... Uh, apologies and consider the correction officially issued from the KREF Stats and Info Department. Uh, that said, the Sooners would like to get more than one win this time around yeah. in an ideal world. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, we just want to make sure you guys are listening out there, making sure you guys, <laughs> I'll tell you what, that, that the person who corrected us, maybe they had never texted into the text line before. Maybe now they're a little more comfortable chatting with us. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and find the silver lining here. Uh, but keep hitting us up on the text line. We are out here at the session room in Omaha, uh, right in the shadow of the College World Series. Uh, we expect a lot of OU fans to come on by after the game and look for a cold beverage because the people that I have seen walking in, they are red and they are sweaty. So, yes. um so, yeah, I've, I've been able to talk to a few Texas fans. Uh, um, one really wants to get on the radio, but uh, based on him speaking in cursive, I don't think it would probably be good yeah. uh, to put him on there. So we're going to make an executive decision and go ahead and not put him on. But uh, his buddy, I asked him who he wanted to win, and he said, I, want, I don't care who wins as long as this thing goes 25 innings, you know, 30 to 31 run those bases a lot, wear those arms out. Now, obviously, I don't think that's going to be the case in this situation as another ball gets by, and it looks like we've got a leadoff double. or Sorry, not a leadoff double, um, but a double. Tanner no- Treadaway is on second base. Yes, yeah, a double nonetheless, thanks to an error. Um, 
So, runner in scoring position. This, this is a situation where you would love to get, yeah. again, another run or two. You have to keep pouring it on to A&M. Yeah. Insurance run would be big here for Oklahoma. Didn't figure we'd be saying that 20, 30 minutes ago, but here we are. Well, another that, run would be much appreciated. That's how it felt Saturday against Virginia Tech, right? We we got, okay, We the, the game was, what, 5-4? to four? We felt like we were in a good position, but then they just kept on adding on, adding on, adding on. We need to continue to add. And, uh, and and bringing him around to the plate would certainly uh, help with that. Uh, let us know on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, where you are watching slash listening from this afternoon. Uh, Doc hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line and said, following your adventures in Omaha while overlooking Coos Bay, which is this, I presume this is Oregon, it looks like Oregon to me. I'm going to yep. go ahead and make the assumption that Coos Bay is in Oregon because I don't know where Coos Bay is. Maybe I should, but it looks like Oregon to me. Yes. So, Doc, thanks for your listenership. Great day to be a Sooner. Doc, especially Doc, with- uh, Doc is a re- was a regular in uh, the OU Rumors and News uh, Twitter space. Oh, really? You think it's the that? same Doc? Oh, got to be because uh, the picture from Oregon gave it away. Okay. Okay, well. Any other doc, I, I would have, I definitely would have, uh, you know, held that a little close to the chest. But I mean, that picture, of Oregon. I don't know how many people, how many Sooners are up in Oregon named Doc. That's the key. One down, one man on base in the top of the eighth for Oklahoma, looking to add to that lead. Jim Schlossnagel is out to the mound for a pitching change. We'll take a break here on the rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, live from the session room. Here in Omaha, Nebraska, 14th and coming just west of Charles Schwab Field. Swing by after the game, get a brat, get a beer, get a burger, whatever your fare and or beverage of choice is, promise you it's here at the session room. And so are we, handing out T-shirts. T-shirts, baby. Up until 6 p.m. Central Time. Coming right back, you're listening to the Ref Sports Radio Network. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the Rush on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Travis Davin coming at you live from the session room in Omaha, Nebraska, 14th and coming. We are just outside Charles Schwab Field where the Sooners lead 12-8 to over Texas A&M in the opening game of the 2022 Men's College World Series. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let us know where you are watching slash listening from. Chase in California says, following you guys from Yorba Linda. Uh, Russ Bryan, listening from Roswell, Georgia. Another listener simply asked, do they have mango White Claw at the session room? I haven't seen any mango White Claw. I've seen drinks of that ilk. I, so, I, I have I, I have seen, there is a guy right in front of us with a White Claw shirt on. Okay. So, they, White Claw they, they, they must have mango White Claws. Bingo. There you go. So, so now one of our text line listeners asked if they have mango white claw here. So 16 ounce cans Boom. of mango white claw. There's your answer. My goodness. Okay. So like like we were saying, they got everything Literally, here at the session room. Whatever you need, it's here at the session room. And, oh, oh and the, it's, and, it's on this guy. And, and, it's on this guy. And, and we've got Stop. an ice cold 16 ounce mango white claw waiting for you. Free for all comers. Free. So. First one to come to the remote and say, that's mine. Come and get it. So, so once once the party is over at Charles Schwab Field, the session room is the place to be. Again, just head one block west. We are here 
starting to get busy in here. It was a little sparse when we first showed up around 2 o'clock. Yeah. I and mean, uh, now that we're get cl- getting closer to the dinner hour, getting closer to the nightcap between Texas and Notre Dame, the place is starting to populate a little bit. A lot of Notre Dame fans in town. You know, Toby was right on about that. Yeah, yep, Notre yep. Dame has showed out well to this tournament. Yep, and uh, you, you said they've got everything you need here at the session room, except for maybe a bar stool. Uh, they're, they're packing out. We're starting to get what looks like a little standing room only. Uh, some larger groups in here. I've seen some baseball teams come in. Uh, yeah, this place is rocking and rolling. And I tell you what, when it's, uh, when it's College World Series time in Omaha, you know, I, I, bet, I bet this is one of their, their better weeks of the year, probably their best week of the year, if I had to guess. Now, let me ask you, Travis. Obviously, I'm well accustomed to these digs. This is my home turf. What's your knee-jerk reaction to the Omaha experience thus far? Well, it does help that I'm with, uh, you know, the mayor of Omaha, you know, walking through here. I'll tell you what, they part like the Red Sea when they saw Parker Thune. The prodigal son return home. Um, Otherwise, uh, yeah, it's a great spot. Uh, Obviously, we'll spend a lot more time uh, over the next couple days walking around, checking out the spot. Uh, I know that... You know, we got a lot of Sooner fans here that have been scouting it the last couple days. So I, I, I can't wait to get around and, and check the place out. Looks like a cool looks like a cool setup. I especially like down here by the stadium. They've got a lot of really cool bars, restaurants, hotels. They've I like when people cities are really intentional about making a fan experience or a visitor experience um, all that they can. Now, there are already a good deal of Sooner fans here in Omaha, Travis. You would figure if Oklahoma wraps up this victory today, there will be plenty more en route. And on Sunday, if they can defeat the winner of Texas and Notre Dame and they can start off this tournament 2-0, my goodness. The Sooner, the Sooner faithful might paint Charles Schwab Field crimson by midweek next week. From the sounds of it, with the heat, if they're wearing enough crimson, it's going to melt right off of them onto the field. Um, but nothing nothing cools you off on a hot day like a big postseason victory. I know that much. Or even, as we've seen, a Red River victory. Uh, that that cooled, me off, uh, cooled me off pretty well. But, yeah, we're kicking it here uh, in Omaha. Um, I'm going to keep you guys updated uh, on our resident Sooner golfer that's playing in uh, the U.S. Open, Mr. Chris Gotterup. Uh, I'll keep you guys posted with his afternoon round. He is inside the cut line uh, last time I checked, and he is still moving up as others fall. So he is out in 34. Uh, on the front nine, he just had that one birdie, no bogeys, uh, pretty clean card, and he's one under through nine. So uh, we'll keep an eye on him as he looks to weave his way through a crowded U.S. Open uh, U.S. Open field. Situation is getting a little sticky here for freshman Texas A&M reliever Chris Cortez in the top of the eighth. Two on, two out. Meeting at the mound right now. The entire Aggies infield is pulled in uh, around the mound to discuss the next moves as Jackson Nicholas comes to the plate. And he's the guy that represents the difference in the game right now with that grand slam in the fourth inning that broke the game wide open in favor of Oklahoma. You take that grand slam off the board, you got a very interesting ball game on your hands at this point in time, Travis. Yeah, and the Aggies certainly know that. That's why they're, uh, that's why they're having that meeting because, again, that grand slam earlier, he's seeing the ball really well. Um, 
and this and this freshman hasn't been in a situation quite like this, really. I mean, he is a flamethrower. I mean, you'll see the ball get up to 97, 98, um, the freshman out of Las Vegas. Uh, he definitely throws heat. But if they're seeing the ball well, there's not a lot heat can do about it. That pitch going in there at 97. So uh, it'll be interesting if they can if they can tack on a couple more in this inning. It's going to make Trevin's job all the all the more easy uh, in the ninth. And Jackson Nicholas, to that point, is seeing the ball well as of late. Came up with a couple of huge hits in the Blacksburg Super Regional, hoping to come up with another big one here against Chris Cortez to give the Sooners at least an additional insurance run here in the eighth. Again, 12-8 to eight is the score in favor of Oklahoma. Sooners looking for their first College World Series win since 2010 in their first trip since 2010. Now, Travis, we were talking earlier, and uh, it appears as though, as Cortez gets out of the inning, no harm, no foul, uh, it appears as though we're going to have to stick around for this Texas-Notre Dame game. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm excited about the matchup. There's no doubt about that. A couple of talented teams, obviously Notre Dame coming off one of the biggest wins that you can have in a super regional, right? Beating every, people were willing to hand the title to Tennessee. I mean, that team is loaded with major leaguers, uh, big hitters, great pitching, and they've been they've been number one in the country for a long time, and people thought that they would make quick work of Notre Dame, but Notre Dame said not so fast, my friend, and now they're representing out of that Super Regional. Uh, obviously, Texas um, had a couple dramatic, dramatic games against the ECU Pirates, and that sent them to Omaha. That ought to be a great game. Fans look like they're representing very well, um, but I do want to touch on something uh, that we've seen at least rumored. I'm not sure if we can go full-blown reported, but okay. it, it's at least been rumored that some of the SEC, uh, future SEC um, commissioners uh, and athletic dire- or, uh, the athletic directors have been tasked with giving their top five, top five future opponents as we still try and get through this scheduling question that is the, the new SEC. Are we going 1-7? Are we going 3-6? You know, it seems like pods are out. I mean, so as they continue to try and navigate what a schedule looks like with the addition to OU in Texas, it seems, at least it's been rumored, that they want everybody to turn in their top five teams uh, to to play on the schedule. So what would your top five teams be? I want to hear what your top five teams would be, and then I want to hear what you think Brent Venable's top five teams would be (laughs) and if those are different at all okay you sprung this on me i'm gonna need a minute to think about this so tell you what we're at the bottom of the hour here on the rush let's hit a quick break come right back we will talk about that and lots more live from omaha parker thune travis davidson here at the session room on 14th and coming the rush rolls on next you're listening to the ref sports radio network come on back this is your home for sooner fans the Ref Sports Radio Network. Well, the Sooners got their all-star closer on the mound, Trevin Michael, and he is in and out of the eighth inning, one, two, three. Oklahoma, three outs away from knocking off Texas A&M in the first game of the 2022 College World Series here in Omaha. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, back with you, rolling on hour three of the rush. We're going to take you all the way up until 6 p.m., 
you'd hope that this baseball game is wrapped up by then. At least it's looking that way, the way that Michael is pitching. And again, you would have liked not to have used him today, but when worse comes to worst, and it was about getting to that point for Oklahoma, it's relieving to know that you have a guy in the back end of the bullpen that can come in and shut it down the way Michael has. Right, and if this game is still going on by the time we get off air, something has gone horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. But uh, we are three outs away right now after really a great, a great eighth inning from him. Um, he's dialed in. Uh, looks like if things, again, as things stand right now, it looks like we're going to take on the winner of Texas and Notre Dame. And 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 if this bar's representation says anything about the fan bases that are going to be in the stadium later, that Texas-Notre Dame game is going to be well represented by both fan bases. Um, the uh, the But the... The overwhelming opinion from Texas fans I've spoke to um, is that they're pulling for OU in this game. Um, one-sided revenge uh, for the Big 12 championship game uh, in the Big 12 tournament. Okay. Another one simply said, I'm rooting for A&M because, and I'm going to paraphrase here, I'm tired of A&M's SEC bull jive uh, is, is, <laughs> is something similar to what he said. Um, but I think that's kind of the – that's really the kind of collective thoughts from the, the Texas fan base, and I think they mirror the OU fan base in a lot of that is, I can't wait to get to the SEC just because I've been hearing about it so much from A&M fans. Now, I want to loop back around to the question you asked. Speaking of going, the SEC. Going into last segment, speaking of the SEC, uh, the five opponents that I would like to see on Oklahoma's schedule every single year – once they get to the conference and are playing a full-fledged conference schedule in the sport of football. And the reason we bring this up is because the SEC is still trying to work out, with OU and Texas being added, how are they going to do the schedule? Is it 1-7, 3-6? They're still trying to figure it out. And there was a rumor, not full-blown report, but a rumor that said each athletic director had to get a list of five teams they want to play the most. And I asked Parker what your five teams would be, and what do you think the head man, Brent Venables, five teams would be? Now, thank you to our fantastic late morning host, Chris Plank, for bringing this conversation to our attention. And for me, obviously, the shoe-in for everybody is Texas. Yeah. Right, Travis? Yeah. Like that, that kind of goes without saying that Texas is one of the five. That's how we know whether you're serious or not. Yes. If you, don't, if you give me your five and you don't include Texas, then I, I, I just I throw you out. That's a non-starter. To me, and I was already thinking about this earlier, and Plank took the words out of my mouth. I'll give him credit for it because it's a phenomenal thought. The second one, to me, that is most certainly in my top five and probably second to Texas in that regard is Arkansas, just because I think there's been a budding regional rivalry there for so long, at least something percolating beneath the surface between those two programs. And to me, the way that I see it, I think Arkansas replaces Oklahoma State when Oklahoma makes the move to the SEC, and that's exactly what Plank said earlier. Yeah, Arkansas is going to be the new Oklahoma State for many Sooner fans. Yeah, I think that's a natural, natural replacement for Oklahoma State. Obviously, those of you that know my background, I'm from Tulsa. I'm the, I think I'm the only Tulsa-based employee of KREF. And being in Tulsa, I'm closer to Fayetteville than I am to Norman. 
and you see that represented really in in the Tulsa demographic, if you will. There are a lot, a lot of Hog fans uh, that are in Tulsa, and I think we saw that when we took on Arkansas in the BOK Center in basketball. I mean, they made up maybe 80% of the fan base, or at least the, the, the noise level was at least 80% Arkansas with them calling the Hogs. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a good fan base. It's a raucous fan base. And, again, being from Tulsa, it is really well set up geographically to be a natural uh, replacement for OSU as kind of your, your in-state rival, but not really in-state, you know, without going into Texas. Because I get it, we border Texas, too. But there's like a hundred colleges in Texas. Sure, sure. Number three for me is Texas A&M, just because those programs are relatively close in proximity geographically, and A&M is getting to the point where they've almost become so odious to every other fan base that isn't their own that you just can't help but want the smoke from them on an annual basis. So Texas A&M is my number three. Number four, I don't know how much of a curveball this is going to be, I think people either love it or hate it that I'm going with this program at number four. I want Florida, man. That Oklahoma-Florida matchup compels me. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the fact that you've had some interesting OU-Florida battles on the recruiting trail recently with Brent Venables making inroads in the Sunshine State. Maybe it's the, the what could have been of the 2008 National Championship game that feeds into it. I don't know what exactly it is about that matchup that makes it so compelling to me. And it could also just be the environment at both of those places. Owen Field and Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the Swamp, is one of the best places to play in all of college football. Well, and, and you, you bring up Florida. Oklahoma, as an athletic department, has had Florida's number recently. Yes. I mean, we talk about the, the practice squad player game with Dan Mullen. You talk about basketball. Uh, the last time we met up, OU got the victory there. And then, obviously, on the top of everybody's mind, was in the regional, the Gainesville Regional, where Oklahoma got out of that regional to move on to Blacksburg. So uh, Oklahoma has certainly had Florida's number lately. So maybe maybe we aren't on uh, Florida's list, but they're, they're on yours. There's no doubt. Now, I'm going to go ahead and give you my number five quickly so I can turn it over to you. But I'm not going to go with Alabama at number five. I understand that a lot of people want those two blue blood programs playing every single year. I don't because I'm kind of of the opinion that I want that matchup to be special. You know, I want it to mean something. Yeah, of and, course. And, and not that it wouldn't mean something on an annual basis, but the hype surrounding that game is going to be so much bigger if it's played every few years rather than every season. And I also, I just, I don't want both of those programs playing each other because I don't want a loss one way or another to knock the losing team out of the college football playoff picture and i think that could happen because there are going to be lots of years i would say in the future where ou and alabama are going to be in the playoff hunt right up until the end of the season so i i I would rather see those teams play in the postseason than in the regular season my number five is missouri just because i'm like you know what give give them a punching bag give ou a punching bag once a year and that's what missouri is going to be that's what they were and missouri thought they had a rivalry with ou it's kind of like the situation that you have with Oklahoma State where some OU fans just won't acknowledge that Bedlam is a legit rivalry, which it is, and that's an entirely different can yeah, of worms. Geographically, yeah. The rivalry with Missouri just never made a whole lot of sense because Oklahoma dominated it, and there just wasn't that much legitimate uh, distaste between the two programs of one another. So 
Uh, I, I with that fifth slot, man, just give him a nice punching bag once a year. Yeah, yeah, and and I think uh, and you you may have heard some of the reaction in the background. Uh, Kendall Pettis just took a heater to the ribs. I would be shocked if there's not some type of damage done to him, whether that's, I mean, I'm, I'm no doctor, but this is one of the hardest throwers in in the College World Series. He throws 97-98 and just took Kendall Pettis one to the ribs. Uh, that, that, that hurt me just sitting yeah, here. Yeah, and you'd figure with a four-run lead in the ninth inning, just go ahead and yank Pettis out of the game put Diego Muniz in. Well, especially we've already got field. one broken hand. Yeah. We've yeah, already got one broken really hand on it. really much more carnage in it, your starting lineup. Exactly. So. But back to back to the top five. And, again, thanks to, to Chris Plank um, for, for teeing this up for us earlier in the day. But I see you took the uh, – the very SEC route of avoiding Bama on the schedule so you could uh, get two teams in the playoff. That's pretty much what we've been dealing with with the SEC. I'm sure you want to play Mercer in November, too, if if you want to go full-blown SEC. But uh, but anyways, my obviously get out of Texas, number one. Sure. I I probably overvalue recruiting, and I totally get that. Okay. When when I talk to people about, you know, when, when, like, for example, Texas is playing Notre Dame this evening. Yes. There is no way that I am going to be rooting for Texas. I don't care about Big 12 ties. I don't care about whatever history with Notre Dame. We all know that we started the play like a champion sign. So all that kind of stuff, I'm rooting for Texas to lose. Anytime you can root for people within your conference or your rivals anything to lose, it hurts their recruiting and it helps your recruiting as a result of that. So that's how I look at every matchup. So to that end... I'm, I would schedule all of our biggest recruiting battle, all of our biggest recruiting opponents, if you will. So I'm putting Texas on there, obviously. That's how A&M gets a slot because yep. their whole argument to these people, I mean, how many kids do we talk to at OT7 in Vegas that said, well, I just want to play in the SEC? Yep. I just want to play in the so SEC. Very, very increasingly preeminent and uh, ubiquitous uh, rationale among high school prospects. Exactly. So – that's how A&M, and I know that we all get on here and say, oh, A&M's only getting recruits because they're paying them. A&M's only getting recruits because they're paying them. But for a lot of these high-end Texas players, they want to play in the SEC. So while we can say Texas is getting these recruits because they're paying them, because, I mean, they are, but that is not that is, that is not the only reason. If Texas Tech were paying kids like A&M, they wouldn't be getting the same recruiting classes. A&M is still bringing more to the table. Their facilities, um, and, it's, and especially their spot within the SEC, and you know that because they tried to block Texas and OU to come to the SEC because they know that they lose so much of their recruiting prowess with that move. So I want Texas A&M on the schedule. Uh, I don't know how many recruiting battles we've been in on the wrong side with them lately, but I'm ready for a couple to go our way. So I've got Texas, Texas A&M. Uh, I do want Bama on the schedule, okay. simply recruiting. Okay. I think okay. I, I don't know how much longer Saban's got in him, and I think there are going to be a lot of people in line to take over that new Bama spot. And I realize that the Bama spot, nobody's going to do it quite like Saban has done in this dynastic run, but there has to be a drop-off with, with Alabama when Saban leaves because you either have to believe he's the best that's ever done it or that his departure doesn't matter. 
if his departure doesn't matter, then he wasn't the best to ever do it, I think would be my argument. Um, so I want Bama in there. I, too, want Florida in there. I thought that was a great call. Come on. Um, with Venables really pumping that Sunshine State, um, and obviously with Bates doing a great job, we're, we are in on a lot, a lot of Florida talent. So I'm loving that. So I want Florida. And honestly, I would I would have to agree with you with the Missouri call because Missouri – while, while you get the, as you called it, punching bag, you get the kind of easier win, but you can still say, oh, we just wanted them on there because they were the old Big 12. Oh, we just wanted them on there because of regional reasons. If we put Vanderbilt on the schedule, everybody's going to be like, oh, they, yeah. they're ducking the smoke. They're ducking the smoke. They want a cupcake. If you put Missouri on. It doesn't feel like doesn't, ducking the smoke. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you it doesn't feel like, like scheduling yeah, a cupcake. You have deniability. You can say, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I mean. We've got so many ties to them geographically. Former, I mean, Big Twelve, all this. But yeah, so I think I think I'm going with those. I got Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, Alabama, and then uh, give me Missouri. Two on, none out for Oklahoma in the top of the ninth as they look to add to this 12 to eight lead. We'll hit a quick break and come back to wrap up hour number three of the rush. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, live from the session room in Omaha. Stick with us. We're gonna come right back. Wrap up hour number three, then we'll take you home to 6 p.m. with the final hour of The Rush right here on The Ref. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. I'll tell you what, man. If John Spikerman isn't your favorite player, he's your favorite player's favorite player. <laughs> RBI hustle double in the top of the ninth to stretch the lead to 13-8. to eight. I want to say that was his third base hit of the day, or maybe just the third time he'd been on base. Regardless, Spikerman continues to be a revelation for this Oklahoma offense. He's played really nice defense in right field as well. All in all, he is probably the emergent player of the year for the Sooners, for the way he has come on over the last couple months. Sooners are three outs away from closing out Texas A&M. 13-8 is the score at the moment. Hey, if you are in Omaha, the session room is the place to be. Once this game goes final, Parker Thune, Travis Davidson, live from the session room right now, 14th and coming. We are here until 6 p.m. with your Friday rush. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, with questions, comments, opinions. If you want to let us know where you're listening and or watching from, we always love to see just how wide and just how far Sooner Nation reaches. Give me your top five on there, too. I'd like to hear what your top five SEC uh, opponents would be as we move into the SEC. And uh, I'll tell you what, there's been some Boomer Sooner chants break out in here um, amongst the Notre Dame faithful. Wow. So I was, uh, I was, I was walking around a little bit on break, and, uh, and I, I definitely heard a bunch of them. I went to ask, hey, what, what do you guys say? They're like, yeah. uh, we do the kind of running thing. The running they thing? They do the running thing during the fight song. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I can't. I'm not going to r- do the running thing back at you. That's kind of weird. But keep on doing Boomer Sooner, guys. By all means. By the way, uh, celebrity guest in attendance, not Kyler Murray, uh, but Porter Moser is in town for this game between Oklahoma and Texas A&M. And uh, it, though it is an oft-forgotten narrative in the greater arc of Porter Moser's career, he actually played basketball literally right across the street at Creighton University back in the late 80s, early 90s. So a bit of a homecoming for Porter Moser. 
He's up in the same luxury box, as a matter of fact, as Kyler Murray is. So Trevin Michael back out on the hill to try and close this thing out for Oklahoma. Three outs to get here in the ninth inning, but the Sooners appear well positioned to get a victory on day one of the 2022 Men's College World Series. Here's a thought on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Doc says Texas, Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee for the Hypo Connection, and Ole Miss. Thoughts? You know what? I, I think Tennessee Tennessee has great tradition. That is a fantastic stadium. We all saw Baker Mayfield rip their hearts out uh, out of their bodies, uh, you know, when kind of he had his breakout game, if you will, kind of his first game really on the scene um, when you know he was the real deal. But so Heupel's not going to be there forever. No, he's not. Um, so you don't know how long – you don't know how long – if you're making the decision based on that, you don't know how long that that's going to actually matter. But I'm interested in the Ole Miss in the Ole Miss selection. Do you, you just want to go down to down to Oxford? What's what do you I think? I guess the he likes the sip. That? Hey, the sip apparently is a pretty great place to be on game day. The Grove specifically, as I like see an Ole Miss fan pass by. Um, yeah, yeah, hey, they're they're probably a, an authority on the Grove and the sip. So. Yeah, you would think, but that's that's an interesting. I don't think I've heard anybody say Ole Miss yet. Yeah, I haven't either. I don't disagree with it. I mean, that was when the schedule came or when the the announcement came out. That was definitely on my man. I I got to see a game there. There's no doubt about that. Here we are in Omaha at the session room, 14th and coming. Oklahoma has Trevin Michael on the mound in the bottom of the ninth, trying to close out a series opening victory against Texas A&M. Three run homer from Jimmy Crooks. Grand slam from Jackson Nicholas and three RBIs from Blake Robertson highlight the surge of offense for Oklahoma this afternoon. And Trevin Michael, oh, he lost him. Appeared to have a strikeout looking, borderline pitch, full count. We do have A&M fans starting to file in that clearly came from the game. So They see the writing on the wall. Man on, none out in the bottom of the ninth. Sooners will look to close this out. And we will close out the rush with the final hour coming up next on the other side of the break. Parker Thune, Travis Davidson live from Omaha. Stay with us. It's the ref. Hey, Sooner fans, we've got you covered. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. No, we don't get a break. (laughs) This is the home of Sooner fans. The Red Sports Radio Network.